Hey guys, welcome to the Gary My Podcast. I hope you stay for the conversation, but leave feeling loved, inspired, and ready to make a difference. Let's do it. Today, we're going to go a little bit deeper into who I am and uh, go further into that introduction that I had. So like I said, I was born in South Africa. I was born actually just outside of Johannesburg in a little town called Fienigen. By the time I was three years old, my parents had immigrated to Canada. And like I said, we landed in Penticton, British Columbia. By the time I was five years old, my parents had been managing a motel that was um, on my dad's side of the family. They they are also from Germany. And the agreement was is that he was going to go and they were going to run the motel there for them. So um, for all you entrepreneurial children, you'll know what that means. Um, a lot of time on your own. Uh, your parents are always really busy trying to build a business. And especially being new to a country as an immigrant, there's uh, even less time with your parents. So it was pretty much this. Get up in the morning, brush your teeth, have breakfast, go outside and play. And don't come home until we call you. Uh, which wasn't always bad. I had great memories after this one memory I'm going to share with you. So when I was five years old, at that point already, my parents had already given us rules. You know, we're not allowed to talk to the customers. You know, we had our own little area where we could play, which was outside and away from, you know, the public eye and uh, always be respectful. Again, you know, we lived in a business. So the office just above it, we had like our bedrooms and there was a kitchen in there too. So it was just a, a front office desk area, like a foyer. And then people would come in, park the car under like an overhead parking. And then um, the office would be, you know, they'd open up the door and the bell would go on that sort of the bell would hang over the door. So when the door opened up, it would hit the bell and it would like ding. And that would be our cue from if we were sitting in the living room, if we were having, you know, lunch, if we were having whatever, doing family one of my parents would have to get up and go and attend the front desk. Pretty normal, you know, checking people in, giving them the little key with a little brown tag, and then they'd go up to the room. So I was very much introduced to entrepreneurship at a very young age, and I think that this was kind of a part of that. So one fall day, I remember it being super gray, and um, I was playing with one of my friends, and I said, hey, you know what? We can go into the laundry room, grab a couple fresh towels, and go and knock on some of these doors and see if anybody would, you know, be into paying us some maybe five cents for a fresh towel. My idea was that we were going to get as many five cents together and go across the street to the 7-Eleven, and then it would be like jackpot. We'll go and buy some one-cent candies, and, you know, that was our plan. Anyways, as we were walking through, I remember there was a couple doors that we would knock on. Nobody was there. And unfortunately, room number 14, the gentleman opened up the door. Not going to get into too much of the details here today on kind of what that looked like. But the long and the short of it is that I was abused. It's really hard for me to say that. It's not something that I advertise. People, A lot of people in my, like my family and in my circle of friends, they don't know that this happened. Um, yeah, so we gave him the fresh towels and this guy was so good at grooming. He knew exactly what he was doing. He befriended me. Um, somehow my friend wasn't there anymore. I mean, I'm five years old. So there's a lot of memory that is, is so old that I, I can't remember the proper details of the buildup, but I can remember the feeling and, you know, parts of the details that I wish I didn't on the abuse. So yeah, it was the grooming, it was him, you know, telling me that we're friends, and it was the hugging, and it was all the stuff, right? All the things that, that go on with it. And what 
sort of turned into a friendship building. I felt special. I'm like, this guy took an interest in me. He's a friend and, you know, he's giving me candy and we're watching one of my favorite TV programs and, you know, he's making macaroni and cheese and we're talking about things I like to talk about. And before I knew it, I was being coerced into doing sexual acts that at that point felt like it was very natural. Like, you know, this is what you do. This is friendship. This is, you know, this is how being coerced and being groomed feels like you, you get this whole, like, Oh, you're being loved. You're being taken care of. It's, it's, it's nurturing and it's, this is okay. And you get that all in the insurance. Don't worry about it. Like it's fine. Nobody will know it's, it's good. We're friends. Trust me. All the words and all the key things that happens when you're being influenced by an, an, an older person when you're younger. So unfortunately what, Started out as being, like I said, a friendship, ended up being quite an aggressive abuse. And I was in that hotel room for, I can't remember, but for better part of the day. By the time that the end of that night or the day that that abuse came to an end, um, I remember him telling me very vaguely, you know, it's between you and I, don't say anything. But then what followed from that was as clear and as sharp as it happened yesterday. If you tell anybody, I'm going to kill your mother. I mean, as a five-year-old, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not, you're not going to kill my mom. If, I, if that's how I save my mom, I'm not going to say anything. And I promise you I'm not going to say anything. And as I walked out of the room, I just remembered that just heaviness of shame and just like embarrassment. And, and like, how am I going to... Like it was just, it was a complete like shell shock feeling. And I just remember walking down to that front office. And as I came up to the door, I could see that there was a police car there. I walked into the front door and there stood in in the front foyer in the office space, an officer and his partner, my mom and my dad. And as soon as I walked in, it was like, you could like, just like the whole air of that room just sucked right out. And right away, the officer is like, is this your son? My dad's like, yeah. He's like, can I, can we have a a conversation? And my dad put me up on, on the counter there and the police officer started asking me questions like, you know, where you were you, what were you doing? And do you recognize this guy? And of course I did because that was my abuser. And I'm like, well, yeah, I know he's one of the, the, you know, the, the, the people who are staying in the hotel, one of the clients and then the question's like, did he touch you in an appropriate way? Did you feel uncomfortable around him in any way, shape, or form? And I remember I, I remember that feeling of lying, but everything inside of me was saying, yes, he did. He hurt me. He abused me. He he took away my childhood. He he made me feel uncomfortable. He's gonna kill my mom. Like I remember all those feelings inside of me, and I remember that voice of mine saying, no, I never see, you know, he's never nothing, you know? And I remember looking at my dad's face and like trying to get into his eyes and tell him like, can you see I'm lying? Like, help me. Like everything inside me was screaming, like help. I need help. Like I like, I didn't know I was so uncomfortable. I felt like I was like in a, in a wetsuit three times too small. And, uh, it was just, I guess I got, you know, you just put through it. And then I just remember the next thing I was told to go outside and go and play. And, um, yeah, that day was the first day of many years of insecurity and doubt and just that whole 
like I, I, I don't know if I'm having gay tendencies. Is it because I was abused as a child? Was my first sexual experience with a man creating this, you know, am I, am I gay because I was abused question? And, uh, yeah, so I carried that right up until about the age of 17. Um, you know, we moved on. We My parents did the motel there for a little while, and then my dad bought a, a restaurant, and then they managed that. And there was a lot of, like, um, unhealthy relationship between my parents. My dad was, was drinking and, and partying, and I'm probably sure my mom was too, but I remember one distinct night when we were sleeping, and, like, my parents were working every single night in the restaurant as well. And by that point I was, you know, eight years old was, was the oldest I was before we left Penticton to move to Calgary. So from the time that this abuse happened till about eight or so, I was babysitting my toddler brother. Um, my sister at the time was a very troubled girl. She was always running away and getting into trouble. So she wasn't really around. And, uh, I think this is all vindictive of, you know, parents who were very absent, who, took priority over business, over family and, um, alcohol and abuse. So one night my brother and I, we shared a room and, uh, I was laying in bed and had the door open. And I, I remember when they would start to sort of shut down the restaurant, like the German restaurant, we were, that's what it was, was a German restaurant. The German music would would be turned off and then you can kind of hear like, you know, the closing sort of routines. And at that time, if we weren't in bed, we would run into bed and pretend like we've been in bed for a little while. That night I was awake. My parents came up and it was louder than normal. And I could hear arguing and yelling and sort of back and forth thing. And all of a sudden there was a big bang. And I was like, holy, what is that? And I called out. I'm like, mom, are you okay? And then my dad was like, get to sleep. If you don't want to have yours next, like, you know, like I'll give you something to cry about sort of thing. And um, the next morning I woke up and you know, my mom walked past the bedroom and she's like, okay, Gary, get up, you know, go brush your teeth, go do your thing. So I was getting ready, brushing my teeth. And I walked into the kitchen and my mom had her back towards me and she was packing her black little garbage. I mean, my, 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 it's not black garbage bags, my brown bag for lunch. And she was packing that with my sandwiches and whatnot. And as she turned around, I could see her whole eye was shut purple and blue and black. And that was the second secret I was told to keep. And I just remember my heart and just like her, just pain on her face and embarrassment. And I was like, mom, like, are you okay? And she's like, don't worry about it. Like I just, you know, she came up with some excuse about falling and and knocking our face. And I like, I knew very much, I knew exactly what had happened the night before because there was just so much anger and, 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 and fighting going on. And there had been for quite a amount of years. And, um, I remember there being blood on the carpet. We had this white shag carpet and it was behind the door. So my dad must've bumped her with the, the knob of the back of the door or something to that effect. Um, but shortly after that, we ended up packing up and then moving to Calgary, just my mom, my brother and my sister. Um, yeah. So, you know, another thing, right? Like it's just been kind of one sort of trauma after another. Um, my dad was very distant. Um, I was always really trying to fight for his acceptance and like, especially after the abuse as a kid, I I just had this massive insecurity of just needing to be loved. And I really didn't have any male figure at that point that was showing me affection. So, um, 
I don't know if that was something that was going to sort of throw me into trying to find relationships and, and, and kind of find, you know, validation. But in any case, that's kind of how that all went around. Um, by the time I was 17, like I'm skipping across the surface on all of this. I just wanted to give you kind of a brief overview, like, um, in the future, in a couple of episodes going forward, I'll kind of stick on some topic and I'll go into deep on it and like have a conversation with somebody else that that's possibly have gone through the same thing or just have, you know, two minds kind of back and forth on, on, on different traumas. Cause I'm very much positive that a lot of you out there have gone through your own journey and your own things that created your life to be in a certain uncomfortable state. And, uh, I'd love to be able to, you know, open that up and, and, and show you that like, even no matter how hard of your reality was that there is a way out and that there is people out there who are in the same boat as you. And that there is a community and that we can all come together and we can share our experiences of how we overcame or how we're trying to overcome and that we are not alone. And that's kind of my heart. That's where I want this all to go. Um, so yeah, by the time I was 17, I was, you could imagine, I was busy putting so many different masks on daily. Um, I'd gone through, you know, a big three years of my junior high years of being bullied. Um, I had tried to tell somebody, one of my friends one night about, what had happened to me as a kid. I thought maybe that would create relationship and like I'd be close, but in the opposite, I was bullied and ostracized. I was tripped and called homo and called gay and faggot and all the things. And, um, to the point where by the time I was like 13, 14 years old, I had already prayed to God to take my life away in the middle of the night to go to sleep, not wake up to, you know, not be in a position of all this hurt and pain and uh, at such a young age is, is, is a pretty horrific and horrible. Um, so where do we go from here, right? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you do when you are young? You don't have the tools. Your parents clearly hadn't had the tools to help you out. Um, you've, you've internalized all this pain. Uh, you believe in God, you go to church, um, you have gay tendencies, but you can't act on them because the church that you love so much doesn't love you because you're gay. How do you, how do you become welcome? And yeah, I like, it's just one of those things where I had to kind of navigate all that on my own. And, uh, I just wish that back in those days that there were more talks, more podcasts about conversations like this, an actual outlet, something that would have been you know, safe place for me to go and listen to where it's not like I had to have it on loud. I can put my earphones on and I can have a meaningful conversation or hear a conversation with ideas and topics that really do, you know, make sense and then hit home. Uh, I, my, my, my hope and my prayer for these episodes going forward is that we can, just come together and and know that we are loved, we're safe, and that no matter what you're going through, there's always going to be a way out. Um, I might not always have the tools or the right words to say or the vocabulary, but I will bring people on and I'll have those real conversations. And I bet you that in that time of, of, conver- of, of real talk, that we'll have 
some little sticking points for you, that's going to make a lot of sense. And I hope that you're going to find an aha moment. So um, I'm going to leave it at that today. Thanks again for your time. Have an amazing day. Just remember, be kind. We never know what anyone's going through. They could have lost their cat. They could have lost their daughter. They could have lost their mom. Oh man, that people could be just in a really bad space because they just can't get out of the funk. So let's let's be let's be the light. Let's show love and uh, yeah, give that smile to somebody who needs it. Thanks for your time. Bye. Yeah.